I'm Samantha Goldman, and you're listening to the Food Explorers Podcast. As a parent, I know you dream of your child having a happy and healthy relationship with food. But I also know how exhausting and confusing it can be when your child just won't eat. In my background as an occupational and feeding therapist, I've helped hundreds of families both in and out of the hospital bring the magic back into mealtime and development. And I want to help you do that too. In this podcast, I give you the full scoop on the tools and tips you need to start helping your child confidently explore new foods while having fun. Please be advised that this is not medical or therapy advice and is just for general and informational knowledge. Let's get to the show. Welcome back to the Food Explorers podcast. Today's episode is our last podcast of Sensory Month. Don't worry, we will still be talking about sensory in the future, but we focused heavily on March on what sensory processing is, how it affects eating, and in today's episode, how you can start to overcome sensory issues. I think there is a lot of confusion when it comes to sensory processing. It's not really well explained to parents, and the process of how to handle sensory concerns isn't well explained either. Now, a huge question when it comes to sensory processing is, will my child outgrow this? I'm going to give you my personal opinion here. I do not believe that sensory processing difficulties are really something that we just outgrow. Rather, as we continue to encounter something that is challenging for our sensory system, we get used to it and learn how to process it. For example, Many parents will tell me their child once had trouble at the beach and getting dirty, but their child, quote unquote, outgrew it. What I really believe happens is that as a child goes to the beach over and over, they play in the playground or play in a sandbox, their brain progressively becomes more and more comfortable around that texture and gets acclimated to it. However, we often see those touch or other sensory challenges show up again as kids get older, but in a different way. So for example, a lot of these same children who had trouble getting dirty have food and texture sensitivities down the road. We often say that a neurodivergent child's brain is wired differently. They have a different threshold for sensory stimulation. Let's go back to our sensory thermometer. As we spoke about earlier this month, I like to say that our body's sensory thermometer measures our temperature for sensory input. So children with sensory challenges, specifically aversions or sensory sensitivities, often have a lower threshold for sensory input, meaning their body gets too hot at lower temperatures. While I may be able to tolerate a lot of touch and texture to my hand, eventually I would probably get upset or annoyed if I was covered head to toe but a child with sensory sensitivities might react and melt, and melt down much sooner. Their sensory thermometer is measuring too hot at a much lower temperature. So often, even though a child might have appeared to outgrow a sensory quirk, like getting dirty or sand, we'll see the same thermometer phenomenon happen in the future. Now, I don't think there's much research to back me up here. Again, this is my personal opinion, but the Star Institute has published something similar on their website. According to them, quote, unfortunately, the answer 
like the condition itself, is complex. We simply do not have evidence that children can outgrow SPD if left untreated. In fact, there is evidence to the contrary. Research has shown a strong correlation between SPD symptoms in childhood and adulthood, end quotes. I'll link that in the show notes if you want to read the whole article. But on the other hand, children who outgrew sensory challenges and are no longer struggling don't need to seek out help, which is why I might be biased one way. Essentially, like most research, we need more before we can definitely say one way or the other. Okay, the reason you're here, how do we overcome those sensory challenges? Number one, I'm going to knock this one out first you can work with an occupational therapist on sensory integration therapy. True sensory integration therapy is done by an occupational therapist who is certified in sensory integration. There is a very specific protocol they follow. But to be completely open and honest with you, most occupational therapists are not sensory integration certified, me included, because it is very costly and most clinics are not set up to follow or pay for this specific process especially if they are insurance-based, which I'll mention more in a bit. For this kind of therapy, you're going to want to look for a sensory integration clinic. Most occupational therapists fall somewhere in the middle. They have not completed the sensory certification, but they've learned on their own, taken courses, and have become very competent in sensory processing. They will work with your child on encountering sensory challenges and gradually becoming more comfortable with it to help them better participate in their home, school, and community. They'll work to try and recreate challenging situations you encounter at home and problem solve and practice them with you. Please be aware that most insurance plans do not reimburse sensory integration therapy. Therefore, in outpatient clinics, it is often used as a preparatory activity to put the body in the just right space prior to completing a functional task, like dressing, handwriting, etc. Honestly, it stinks, but it currently is not accepted as a main form of therapy. So I just want to make sure you're not surprised if you end up going. As you guys know, in my own personal business, I do not offer therapy services. My programs are meant to supplement or precede therapy so that you as the parent have a greater knowledge and understanding of what's going on. That way you can better carry it over at home and have better outcomes. I do very much believe that if your child has sensory challenges, you would probably benefit from an evaluation and therapy if recommended by your provider. The sensory system is very tough, and there's many techniques that just can't be done without the supervision of an occupational therapist. So that's something to think about. Number two, the second way to overcome sensory challenges is to practice those situations at home in a low pressure way. Let's go back to the sand example. If your child is having a hard time with the feeling of sand on their hands and toes, you're not just going to throw them into a full pile of sand. Instead, we work on small, gentle exposures to sand and form positive experiences with it. The brain is an amazing and a very smart thing. It remembers our previous experiences and uses these to inform us of how to act in the future. So every positive experience is stored and every negative experience is stored. We want to help your child have more and more positive experiences so their brain starts to realize, okay, this is sand. It's not so bad. It's not threatening to me. 
I can handle this. So what this might look like. First, you would start with something like kinetic sand and you playing with it in front of them. Then maybe you give them a shovel so they don't need to use their hands in the sand. Once they're okay doing that, maybe you drive a toy through the sand and a little bit touches them. From there, you hide something partially in the sand and they need to pull it out and so on. You build up until it's not a challenging experience for them anymore. And number three, modifications. Sometimes instead of working on getting used to a particular sensory input, we work on modifying or changing the experience to better support a sensory system. So for example, if you are trying to work on vegetables and your child likes crunchy foods, we could try something like vegetable chips, since that is something their sensory system might better tolerate. With modification, we change the environment to help them better participate. This can be particularly helpful with your child's sensory thermometer. We all can only take in so much information before we hit a sensory overload, and children with sensory challenges often have those lower thresholds before that pop. So doing things like lowering the lights, lowering sound, etc., can help leave room in their sensory thermometer for fun experiences and learning. You'll often see this as sensory-friendly events in the community. They try to minimize excessive sensory information so your child can focus on enjoying the event. So with all of these techniques, it is essential that you as the parent get to know your child's sensory system at a deep level. You need to know how much sensation each of your child's senses can tolerate, how they process it, their stress cues, and how they typically respond to that information. The sensory system is different every day because our body is different every day. And your child will need different supports depending on how their body feels in that moment. You need to understand what each sense is, how they affect each other, and how they affect the task you're asking your child to do. For example, eating. This enables you to be prepared and empowered to help your child every single day at home. And that's exactly what I teach you in my Making Sense of Eating program. We go through all eight senses, how they work, and where things go awry. But I don't just leave it there. This isn't a one-size-fits-all course. The point of this program is actually to help you understand your personal child and their own personal sensory system. So I give a lot of examples and talk about situations you might encounter. By the end, my goal is for you to have built your own little physical and mental toolbox you can use to support your child, not only at the table, but throughout the day as well. Reminder, you only have two days left to save on the Making Sense of Eating program. If you missed the announcement this week, I actually decreased the price of the program because I know how hard it is with everything going on right now. So if you sign up in the next two days, you'll save $200 on your program. That's 40% off. You'll get the entire program for only $2.99 and you can start making progress and making sense of eating today. So don't wait and miss it. Sign up now at www.drsamgoldman.com slash making sense of eating. I can't wait to see you inside. Thank you for listening to the Food Explorers podcast, a podcast about helping your child learn to become a confident and happy eater. If you love this episode, please make sure to share it with a friend, 
subscribe, or leave a review wherever you are listening. This helps parents just like you find this podcast and start bringing the magic back into mealtime. Thanks again for joining me today, and I'll see you next time.